0: Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. There is only one true gospel, and it's not the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. In fact, the so-called prosperity gospel is no gospel at all. Jesus did not come to make us rich, healthy, and comfortable. He came for us in our sin, in our rebellion, in our hatred of God, and He died for us. As Paul says in Romans 5, God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, thus we must never settle for anything less than this one true gospel. This is the very thing Paul warned the Galatians about when he wrote to them saying, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Paul took seriously the preaching of the true gospel and as church planting pastors we must do the same. In various parts of the world today church planters will encounter the so called prosperity gospel and in certain contexts this is far more prevalent than others. So how can church planters penetrate the dark places that are deceived by the false light of this kind of teaching? To help us think about these things and more, I'm excited to have my friend Robert Manda with us on the podcast. Robert is the lead pastor of New Life Church in Lalongwe, Malawi. He also serves as the co-director for the Rule Collective in Acts 29. Robert is married to Sheila and they have three children. Robert, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. It's good having me here.
0: It is great to have the great High Bishop of Malawi <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, you are in the land of Chick-fil-A. There are it ca- is are- land
1: of Chick-fil-A, and uh, I love Chick-fil-A, by the way.
0: You do. What's your favorite uh, thing to eat at Chick-fil-A? Chicken
1: stripes and the Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs>
0: you say stripes. Chicken strips. Strips. Yeah, yeah. I like the way you say it better. I think I think they would sell more if if they said the like you.
1: Guys pronounce things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to talk about your context um, and more. Robert and I have had the privilege of being together in um, Kenya and Uganda, Uganda, and I've never made it over to Malawi, but uh, maybe by God's providence that'll happen at some point, huh?
1: For sure, Malawi can't wait to have you, Tony, to come to Malawi. <laughs>
0: This is a very encouraging brother. He just lights up the room wherever he's at. So, Mm -hmm. uh, very thankful for him. Robert, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and uh, how you came to faith.
1: Well, so, um, this guy, he was born in a Christian family of eight children, uh, four daughters, four four boys. And um, I came to know the Lord, really, in 1999. At that time, I was in high school, and uh, I thought... I was a good boy because my mom always said, you're you are a good guy. I was never really much into bad stuff, so to speak. But it was up until I heard the gospel being preached about the love of God and how desperately every individual human being needs to accept Christ. And at that time I realized how sinful I am and how desperately I need the love of God to be in my life. And I gave my life to Christ. And the person who really, really helped me uh, with the whole of this process was my, my sister. She was praying for me. She was encouraging me. And uh, when the day that I remember was there was a revival in the, in the community, and somebody was preaching alongside what I've just said. And uh, since then, I've been with Christ, and I love Christ. Uh, I'm married. As you've said, uh, the Lord has blessed us with three kids. My heart is for the rural communities of Africa.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, take us from your conversion to uh, ministry. How did that all develop?
1: Yeah, so when, when I came to know the love of God in a better way of understanding, uh, He gave me what I hold up so much dearly, even up to now, two things. Number one is to read His Word so much that I used to read the Word of God and I couldn't really understand most of the times. And now my sister, whom I used to go back to her to say, can you help me to understand this? Can you help me to understand that? And she said, bro, you need to go to Bible school because you seem to have got a lot of questions. And I said, yes. So after my high school, God opened the door. I went to a, a Bible college. At that time, I I really never thought that I would be a pastor, and I never dreamed of becoming a pastor. Mm. But I just loved God's Word, number one. Number two was to share with other youth, youth group people, to share whatever I've been taught or whatever I've studied in God's Word. But I remember I was so active in youth, and the people used to say, you are... Here comes a preacher, man. I was like, I can preach, but don't call me a pastor because that's not what I'm dreaming in my life. (laughs) And at our church back then, they used to give me on on the youth program to preach. And I remember the first Sunday that I was asked to preach. I was so nervous. But by the end of the service, I, I heard a lot of people saying, this man must be a preacher. This man must be a pastor. So that continued for many, many, many years. Uh, but uh, when I went to a Bible college and that passion of, you know, studying God's Word and also sharing with others kept on growing and growing up until when there was a missionary who came in our community. Uh, they were looking for a young person who could do the church plant alongside uh, the hospital, alongside the medical school and uh, nursing school. And by some reason, some people gave my name that time I was in college. So they gave my name to her, and then she drove on the campus. And she said, I'm looking for Robert Manda. And I had a meeting with her and said, I've heard about you, and uh, your young man would love to work with you. And I was nervous, like I said, I said, well, I can just help with the preaching, but don't consider me as a pastor, as a planter. But some Sundays, because I love preaching, I can do that. But little did I know that that was a stepping stone uh, to what later it was confirmed, even in my own heart, that that's what God was calling me, and uh, I gave. Now,
0: how long have you pastored the church you're currently pastoring?
1: I've been a pastor to New Life Church for 10 years now.
0: Okay. Robert's one of these guys, um, when you meet him and he'll just sort of say in passing that he's, he, you know, they have a hospital, they have a (laughs) school, they have, and you're like, he doesn't have a hospital. Like (laughs) he's not overseeing a school and pastoring. And then, uh, you talk to people and they're like, yep, yeah, he is. He's, he's got all that. You're a very high capacity, uh, brother. And, um, he's a very, very humble in his, uh, in his own story. Um, so we want to talk about Malawi for a moment, okay? Um, talk to us about where you're at. I haven't been there. This is what I've been told because you're part of the Rural Collaborative, right? Yes. Uh, David uh, Pinkney, who was who was on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, he he said Malawi is not technically small in terms of population, but in terms of infrastructure. Yeah. He said you will have four or five hundred people on a Sunday. Is that about
1: 400 right? to 500 people, every single Sunday.
0: But very few cars, he says, are in the parking lot. They walk. Is that correct?
1: V- very much so. Uh, out of 400, we're talking of maybe five cars alone only. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so it's small, but it's not small, right? You got a lot of people, but, absolutely. but, it, but it has a small feel, right? A rural feel.
1: Exactly. Uh, and partly because maybe for those of you who doesn't know Malawi, Malawi is the most poorest country in the world. Mm. And uh, by that, I mean like more than half population of the country, people living below poverty line. What that means, families are surviving on less than $2 a day. So, and being in the rural, like where our church is, uh, it's our church is in between where the city has ended and the beginning of rural side. That's where our church is positioned. Um, so, we are reaching to the poor of the poorest within the poorest country <laughs> in the world. But the beauty of it is that the hunger that people, they have to listen God's Word, it's something that I've never seen anywhere that I've traveled in the world. Mm. It's just unbelievable how much people are thirsty for God's Word.
0: So, take us to a Sunday here for a moment, alright? What does, what does preaching look like? Do you use the Bible? Um, do you you preach the books of the Bible? How long is your worship service? Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So if you come to, 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 to our Sunday service, and I, I you're gonna love it. It's it's a bit different, like how you do here uh, in the West. Um, but anyway, God's word is it's it's paramount. Uh, we give a big chunk of time to 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 to, to preach to exp- to expose God's word not more than 40 minutes. It's different like what some people, they say, you go to Africa, people preach for three hours. Our church, if you come to my church, our, uh, our elders will expect whoever is preaching to be 40 minutes. And that's for a purpose because we want people to concentrate and to hear and then they go. And also we as Africans, we love worshiping through music. So music is fabulous, fabulous. We dance, we dance for the Lord. And uh, that's another component that you are likely to get there. And also there's a component of prayer where we pray corporately every single Sunday, praying for different things of the nation and even globally for other churches. So I would say like these are the paramount that things that you would expect to see on Sunday, God's Word, preaching God's Word, and then uh, singing, worshiping through music. Uh, but also corporate prayer.
0: Mm-hmm. How, what percentage do you preach?
1: 75%? Well, I used to preach maybe 80%, uh, but now that I'm saving as a co-director in, uh, in Roko uh, collective, so it's about 50% okay. uh, of my time. I dedicate to preaching everything. Yeah,
0: cool. So, uh, the prosperity gospel—you've uh, encountered it, right, in your context? Um, what have you guys tried to do to combat that problem?
1: Well, um, prosperity gospel has really done damage to the church, uh, not only in my in my in my country, but even Africa as a continent. And uh, people have seen maybe what they've seen in the media. They've exported this from the West. You know, I'm not going to mention somebody's name here, but you know whom I'm talking about. And they think that's the way to go. Um, now, so much that uh, every, every corner, if you don't talk about prosperity as a, as a, as a preacher, and not only prosperity, but also uh, false prophets, Whereby somebody wanna predict about your life, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've encountered some people say, "Prophesy to me what that means that I should talk about the future, I should talk about what will happen in the next week, and also." So, so, so these are the challenges of of, 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 of our times in, in our in our continent and in Malawi in particular, and as a church for us. Uh, Four years ago, we have seen that some pastors are doing that because they've never been discipled, they've never been to any theological school. So we started uh, uh, a church planting school, which we call Pastoral Training Institute of Africa. And uh, we have designed it in such a way that uh, with this institution, we could probably uh, provide some basic uh, theological training to these church planters, so that they know uh, some doctrinal issues, they know how to interpret God's Word, and they know how to prepare a sermon that is Christ-centered. And uh, as a church, we have done this for the past four years, and uh, we wish we could do more but we have got limitation because of resources at the moment. So answering your question, how are we combating the prosperity gospel? For me and for our church, we believe it's it's bringing back people to the biblical truth by teaching leaders. Leadership is critical. If we don't train pastors, then the whole church will be lost because leadership is at the hem of the church growth in a healthy way.
0: It's very interesting that the poorest country in the world the prosperity gospel is prevalent. Mm. You know, telling people you can be you can be wealthy. Yeah. And it's obviously not working, right? It
1: doesn't <laughs> people, work.
0: People are not getting wealthy, right? It
1: doesn't work. <laughs> and, I, I
0: would... and yet there's this I, some fleshly hope that mm. that this will benefit me. Yeah. You know, yeah. physically, materially. Yeah. And it's just it's really sad. It's a it's a it's a dead end road. And it is. I'm yeah. glad you are where you are. Amen. Uh, preaching the the true gospel.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: Um. So as we think about um, prosperity gospel, uh, combating it, uh, dealing with it, leadership development, um, what are some of the challenges that you guys face? Do you? Uh, I suppose everybody has critics in ministry. Um, perhaps you have other challenges. Um, uh, long conversations, uh, debates. What, what's what's the what's the fight like?
1: Well, to to most people, they look at us, uh, those of us who are very reformed. They they look at us as if we are not spiritual enough because we don't have the supernatural power as other prophets in court would would demonstrate to them. And uh, so that sometimes, even when you try to teach the people they'll be like i hear you you're teaching me this but i'm 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 still poor on one hand and uh, you are not giving me what my heart uh, is longing beyond the gospel because they've gone to these other churches that've been made all the they've been given all these false promises real false promises which never really come to pass and uh, so there's a challenge there uh, because People are thirsty, they are longing, they are thirsty, they are searching which is right, and sometimes they, they they bypass this, which is that, as far as my knowledge is concerned, it's, the whole truth is God's truth. Uh, there's no other truth apart from God, what He has revealed to us through the written Word. Now if somebody comes and makes a promises which is outside the written promise of God's Word, there's danger. But unfortunately, these are the times. It's as like Paul was talking to young Timothy. He says, be careful in the last days. People want to hear what their ears are itching to hear. You see, it's happening. It's within our time.
0: Yeah. So when you're training your guys, is there a particular focus that you'll have on prosperity gospel? How do you you talk through that with them? Or is it just uh, a given that this is just the context in which you live? And, and so it just sort of pops up through various conversations. Do you really target the prosperity gospel with the guys you're training?
1: Um, well, it's, it's, there's a component. But like I said earlier, one that uh, we are focusing on uh, uh, the uh, theological components, uh, and which includes uh, within those theological, you know, courses that we offer to them. Uh, obviously, there is about uh, Christian worldview. Uh, where we look at the contemporary issues that are within the context of Africa, because you don't face challenges in the west where you 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 have got uh, people who don't believe that God exists in Africa. In Malawi, pretty much everybody uh, believe that God exists, but it's uh, the 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 understanding of who who this God is, which is our 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 major problem, yeah. because people have brought in different ideologies, so. Uh we, we we do, we deal with it uh, by teaching the, the in-depth yeah. uh, theologically, yeah. uh, and one of them being the Christian worldview, uh, dealing with the contemporary issues.
0: What about your discipleship at your church? Obviously, you preach on Sundays. What what does that look like as you're just discipling your people at your, in your local church? Classes, small group, curriculum, anything, what do you, what do you guys do?
1: Well, so yeah, because uh, our church, uh, with that number of 500 to 600 people, we have got 12 elders uh, who are looking different sections uh, of the community, different communities. And uh, on Sunday, we begin by, we have what we call um, uh, Sunday school classes, where we teach, we, we look from different uh, doctrinal, like maybe, for example, marriage. How does a Christian marriage look like? And so we have classes from eight to nine an hour. And in that class, people can ask questions. And then we also have uh, small groups. And these are meeting on Wednesdays in different locations. So the elders are looking, they're leading in all these different uh, locations. And again, it also gives an opportunity to the guys that we are training in the residency program that we have. We plug them in in these several groups, so that uh, their their training is not only academic but it's also practical. Yeah. So those are some of the. How do you things
0: train? How do you train your elders um, and aspiring pastors? Uh,
1: so elders and two at uh, two levels. Uh, By that I mean, we have got those that are from within the church, our church, and then we've got some who are from other churches. So those that are from within our church, we plug them in then in the Pastoral Training Institute. Uh, It's a two year program. So if we see someone in the church like Carlin we've got two guys that we are discipling and training. And by the end of two years, and then the church will affirm them to be uh, full elders within the church. So, yeah, it's really, we basically use the tools of Pastoral Training Institute as a way of training and discipling them.
0: Now, have you um, experienced uh, people who are in the prosperity gospel uh, being converted, coming out of that? Um, being disciples of yours, can you share maybe a story or some of the... Joy?
1: We have many, we have many, but I just for the sake of time, I'll give you one. Uh, so, the first cohort that we had when we started the Pastoral Training Institute of Africa, there was a guy by the name of Arias from northern part of Malawi. And this guy is charismatic, he's a guy who knows how to to to, to, to bring stories like in a reality way. And uh, so, before he came to to our... Our residency program, he was still, he was already preaching. But the 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 challenge that he had, he wasn't preaching that big story that you and I we know. The big story is about Jesus Christ. So after he came and after two years of his completion, and he came back and he said, Thank you for taking me through this. I thought I knew how to preach, but I wasn't. And I feel sorry for all the mistakes that I've done in the past. Now, I know how to handle God's Word. That God's Word must interpret with another God's Word. Not just making one verse a big story. And that Bible story is about King Jesus Christ. Now, it's funny. A couple of months, I went to visit him in his home village. And I met the chief of that village. And when I met this chief, I've never seen him. I stopped my car as I was coming out. He comes up, and then he welcomes me, smiling. He said, are you Pastor Robert? I said, yes. He says, thank you. He said, what are you thanking me for? He says, what you have done to the young man, Elias. I said, what about Elias? He said, this young man is different. He said, what is different about this young man? He says, his ministry has changed. His preaching has changed has changed, and his own marriage has changed, and I said, we give thanks to God. It's God's Word that brings transformation, and if only more men would go through the training like this, it would make a big difference. Mm -hmm. God is still at work, He's still in the business of redeeming His people.
0: Yeah. What about, um, uh, you're in the context of poverty. Can you just share with us what it's like for someone to cling to Christ in the midst of just desperate situations? Uh, help us, help us to think about that.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a hard one.
0: <laughs> you got you got a church, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Of of people that just live day to day, right? Mm-hmm. So give us this day our daily bread is a, r- a real prayer, right? It's not just something that's a model prayer but I
1: would summarize it in this way that people who are in very impoverished places like ours they live by faith because most of the times the basic needs are not even there they get sick maybe hospital is far from them maybe they don't have even money to take the child to the hospital I'll give you an example. There was a lady in our church who used to stay one hour walk, walking like one hour away from the church. And uh, she, her, her daughter got sick during midnight. She had nothing to do except to kneel down and to pray to God. In the morning when she called me, said, Pastor, last night my daughter would have died. I said, what happened? She said, she had malaria. The fever went so high. And I had nothing except calling upon the Jesus you are teaching us in in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So most of them would say it's it's by faith, really. Mm -hmm. Really by faith. Uh, It's hard to describe it because (laughs) unless up until you come (laughs) down there and you see and you know they live by faith because of the joy that they have, even though they have nothing in terms of material.
0: Mm. That's beautiful, man. And that's the one thing that always strikes me about you is your joy. <laughs> and uh, you just light up a room, man. And I think I think joy is a very undervalued leadership quality mm-hmm. uh, in the church and yeah. in the world, uh, but especially in the church. Um, to to see a leader that is enjoying the grace of God, trusting yeah. the Lord, loving His Word, loving His Church, all the stuff you just talked about, man. Yeah. You know the basics. And that's, uh, these, these gospel essentials that, uh, give us a joy that, you know. Uh, you yeah. radiate a contagious joy, and uh, <laughs> people would want to come to your church even if you couldn't preach very yeah. well, right? Uh, but I know you can, uh, because yeah. I've heard you several times. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's been a joy, man, to have you on the podcast. Um, if listeners want to keep up with you, perhaps help support your work yeah. uh, or the Rural uh, Collective, uh, you want to give us some ways to keep up online?
1: Well, yeah, I think yeah, if, if, if people who are listening... Uh, I would even say pray for us because at the moment we are the mom, we are at a place we don't have a church building. It's a desperate need for us. And uh, if you if if there's someone who's listening today, I would urge you to pray for us that God should raise up men and women who may be willing to support so that we can have a church building in place. Mm. Uh, we were we are meeting in a pavilion but that pavilion is full of people now. We have grown so big, uh, it cannot fit everybody. Mm. So getting uh, maybe on Acts 29 uh, on Rural Collective website, and then you see our information there. Or maybe talk to you, Tony. (laughs) Uh, You you have my number, you have my email, and then we can see how that uh, will go. And above all, we want people to come and see
0: Malawi. Amen. Amen. I think you just made me your secretary. Is that what you just did? (laughs) I have many people's secretary, you know. Uh, Thanks, Robert. Appreciate your time, brother.
1: Thank you for having me. Like I said, God bless.